0: welcome to another episode of menopause the good the bad and the downright sweaty i'm diane Danzybrink, and with me is my lovely co-host the fabulous sophie claus hello
1: everyone
0: so sophie today we're going to focus on something that is kind of very much going on with you at
1: the moment yes i'm experiencing severe anxiety when I'm driving, Mm. which is making kind of the commute to work or running the girls to any of their clubs or like groups that they attend and coming here today to see you, which I've been to Diane's like four or five times. And I think the last time I came here, I had a bit of an anxiety attack on the way home. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure whether it's got worse whilst it's been dark. Right. I'm, I'm finding it more problematic. Okay. But I've driven here today in daylight, um, and it's got to the point where I've said to Stephen a couple of times that I think I need to stop driving.
0: Mm.
1: And I know that I couldn't really do that because of my job. I need to have my car. Yeah. Um, But it's just getting really bad to the point where I just, every single time I have to go anywhere or get on the A1 in the morning to go to work, I'm like, my hands are so slippery with sweat that I find it hard to, I'm gripping the steering wheel. Mm. Um. And I just find that I have this really kind of, by the time I get to work, I feel quite shaky and like yeah. I'm on a bit of a come down. Yeah. And there's certain roads now, like I will not drive on the M25. Okay. It's. I was on there and I had lorries either side of me, which no one likes anyway, Like I've, I've never liked that and I'm sure none of you do either. But it's the fact that now I just have a reaction that will kind of ruin the rest of the day. Right. I'll feel exhausted. Mm. I'll arrive at wherever I'm going to mm. and feel like I need a nap. But it has a massive impact. Mm. And it's it's really infuriating me because I'm 34 years old. I've driven <laughs> up and babe. down. A little baby. <laughs> I've driven up and down the country. I've driven in Europe. And suddenly driving, it's 12 miles from my house to work. Right. It's becoming a, a traumatic event. Mm. How long has it been going on for, honey? Because before...
0: So for anybody that hasn't kind of followed the podcast today, um, back before sort of last quarter of last year, um, you were struggling quite a lot because you really felt that you needed a top up for your implant, but it wasn't due until December, mm-hmm. and then it was a real last minute thing about whether you got it. So the last couple of months were last of last year, if only I could get my words out straight, um, were quite tough. Mm. Um, how long has the driving and anxiety been an issue
1: for you i'd say probably december 2018 okay so like over a year now and i've been kind of thinking to myself that i don't want it to i don't want to let it get the better of me mm. and kind of trying to talk myself through it and things mm. um but it's just got worse it's definitely got worse and a lot worse with in the darkness i seem so much more sensitive and has it been
0: worse over this winter
1: yes so obviously that could coincide with me going through my hormone dip Yeah. because I felt since October mm. that I needed my implant, mm. Um, you know, itching, insomnia, definitely my cognitive function if yep. that's not quite up to scratch on yeah. that day. I then worry when I'm driving that I'll miss something or I'll just kind of switch off. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's really, really frustrating and hard. And I know I'm not alone in it, because it's it's come up in our club a few times. Oh, my goodness.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, in the group, it, it comes up on quite a regular basis. Mm. People struggling to, think, everything you've said, you know, sort of about interfering with social life, interfering with work, even going to the supermarket. Um, and, I mean, that's, like, that's really poignant for me, because at my absolute worst. So for those of you that don't know, Sophie and I are both surgical menopause. Um, Sophie is significantly younger than me. Um, Your surgical menopause, two years? Yes. uh, And I had my surgery back in July 2012. Didn't really get my HRT organized probably, properly until mm, 10 or 12 months later. That's a whole other story. Um, but at my absolute worst, I became completely agoraphobic, wouldn't go outside the house. But before that happened, I was still trying my best to get in the car. But it's kind of, it's about two miles from my house to our local town. And the trauma, and it was a tr- the trauma of me pushing myself. To drive to, just to the supermarket that is just such an everyday thing, mm-hmm. um and I knew that I knew that it had all gone completely wrong the day that I got there and couldn't get out of the car and just sat in the car and cried, just and eventually car. worked up the well just knew that if i didn't drive i I would either have to call somebody to take me home, but i did eventually <laughs> i did eventually get home, but the I don't know how it manifests itself for you, but for me, it's all about my stomach going, my heart racing, feeling really sick. Feeling like something terrible is about to feeling happen. Something's, yeah, feeling something really terrible's gonna happen. Um, and that is, uh, for me, I was often in the car on my own. Yeah, uh, no, more Generally alone. So, you know, works, yeah. whether it's work or social or whatever, and it's when that happens, you know, sort of, what do you what do you do about it? If there's you, no one to defer to. You
1: can't pop no. over and be like Martin,
0: Steve, take over because exactly. they're not they're not there. I and mean. so, for you, lovely, have you over the past? So you're saying it's been going on for about a year. Um, have you found anything that has helped you? when you have been experiencing that so you said about by the time you get in the car and you clutch the steering wheel like mm-hmm. your hands are sweaty so at what point does that anxiety start to rise in you is it when you open your eyes in the morning is it as you go through your kind of shower yeah
1: your hair, so that's that, like, all it's that when i wake up it just right. kind of hits straight away mm-hmm. and before I changed job role, I think it used to be about work, and, mm. and now I just kind of wake up and I'm like, oh my god, I've got to get on the A1.
0: What about the days when you, because you have one day a week where you don't mm. have
1: to go into work. What's that day like? Oh, it's lovely. Really? <laughs> I just, I don't have it at all. Okay. Um, because anything that I do on that day, generally, I, I don't have to be there mm. by a certain time. I don't have that kind of pressure. Um, but yeah, the fact that I wake up straight away, and even today, mm-hmm. I was really excited about seeing Diane because we've not seen each other for so long. <laughs> um, and But I immediately, when I woke up, I was like, oh my God, I've got to drive. I've got to drive today. Yeah. And I even tried bribing Stephen to drive me. <laughs> she I, didn't tell me I, I that before. I won't tell you what I tried to bribe him with, but yes, anyway. <laughs> I have no shame. Um, uh, and I did, and... I mean, fair, actually, I'm really grateful because I've driven here and I'd really kind of, Diane said a couple of things over message to me and I kind of had a real think about what works for me when I'm behind the wheel of the car to kind of centre me and ground me. Um, and actually, I think some of the key things to think about is to plan your route. Now, I do get really easily, um, I, I have issues with concentration and my ability to take direction <laughs> has just gone okay um it's something I've accepted now but you know in any circumstance not just driving somebody's telling me right you do this that and this or even the sat-nav yeah take the second left at the roundabout yeah huh I just I just can't seem to kind of get things as well as I used to so out
0: of interest before this Mm -hmm. before your surgical
1: menopause what were you like as a driver really confident mm. I I was always I've always I guess in some ways it's been a bit cocky thinking oh, I'm a really good driver mm. feeling quite confident and never having an issue on the M25 mm. or, or anywhere like, especially not the A1 because I I live along there so yep. I was really used to it it's the main road for me um, and never having, never really understanding actually people that were afraid of driving at night yep. probably or in bit, the rain yeah I probably wasn't particularly sympathetic and now yep. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is actually a real thing. I completely Mm -hmm. get it. Um, And I think it's just the key thing is planning a route. So having a look at the route, having a look at the alternative route, if there's any diversion, Mm. so you have at least some kind of... Knowing if there's going to be horrible roadworks.
0: Yeah. Where you can, obviously. It's really interesting what you say, though, because I was just like you. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can go anywhere. Blah blah blah. Drive on my own, long distances, whatever. And What's really interesting is Martin actually noticed my change behind the wheel before I did. And that was after the op- that was after my was surgery, surgery, but before before things got really awful. But after my surgery, in that kind of in that bit where I was kind of I felt I was kind of coasting and I was doing okay. I obviously wasn't. Because I can remember, I remember the first time he said it. Because I, I was like, "Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> I think I'm fine." But he was absolutely right mm-hmm. because he said to me, "You're, you're much more. You seem, you seem as though you're much more hesitant in the car, mm-hmm. and obviously that's not a good thing." Um, and it, I mean, the first reaction was. You can't be right, surely. Um, I won't tell you the words that actually went
1: through my head. <laughs> I, I um, can imagine. Yeah, I think you could probably take a good guess.
0: Um, but he was right. I was being more hesitant and I wasn't being my normal, confident, you know, kind of crack-on self. And then it it definitely, you know, kind of... But he spotted the first signs way before I did. Um And as I say, that resulted in me literally not being able to, not being able to step outside the door. Um, But for me, it has taken me, it's taken me a while, but, you know, I mean, I'm way, way, way past. I'm back to way, easily back to, you know, kind of where. But I would say it probably took me... mm, I would say it probably took me a couple of years yeah and I think to feel kind of and it wasn't even I probably it's just not that I noticed it eventually I was just like yep crack on whatever back to me but I would say after my surgery it took me a couple of years oh, right. to get so I can totally understand how you know for you and I because we've had surgery i all right, neither of us were well-counseled about what to expect, but I think now we look back at it, Mm. we can understand why perhaps, you know, literally having your oestrogen pretty much wiped out, why we might feel... I think for people who are going through a... what you might term a natural menopause, so a menopause that is not either surgical or medical, Mm -hmm. you can totally understand how... All those little changes creeping in,
1: It'd like terrifying. I'm
0: losing the confidence. I'm not, I can't think straight. You know, like you just said, you can't even follow the sat nav. Yeah, you
1: can't even fo- because and you start to doubt yourself. Yeah, and then obviously that impacts your confidence. Yeah, even following a recipe book, mm-hmm. I find it really hard. I have to read everything. Mm. I used to be um very gung ho in the kitchen, throw yeah. stuff together, not even really have to think. And yeah. now I. I've cooked several meals where I've put the same thing in twice or I made a cake without <laughs> eggs. I mean, it's just... And I can laugh about it. Yeah, say, I know that oh wasn't funny at the time,
0: <laughs> but what's quite funny is Sophie's actually, she's a bit of a baker. I so am not. So actually doing something like that for me would be totally normal. Like, uh,
1: something's gone wrong here. But it's all these little things that like, or going to empty the washing machine and I've not turned... The washing machine on yeah but i would have sworn that i had yeah and all these things slowly build up and it makes you doubt yourself it makes you doubt your ability and i think that could be actually partly what it is for me is that i'm behind the wheel of a, a, a car and i'm thinking jesus i couldn't make a cup of tea this morning well, what am i doing yeah
0: so it reduces it kind of erodes your self-esteem and your self-confidence doesn't yeah it? yeah and
1: i just the, the anxiety just gets to the point where I'm already struggling with a bit of cognitive function issues. Yeah. And it just impacts that more. But definitely planning the route and like you and I were saying earlier, if, if it's a long journey, mm. especially because I always need the toilet, like mm. constantly, having a look and finding a petrol station or a service station that you know you can stop at if yep. A, your anxiety just gets yep. really bad so you can stop and do some deep breathing exercises yep. which Diane's going to take us through mm. um or you could just get out and wander around mm. or if if you just need the toilet because I that's another thing that causes my anxiety is the thought of getting stuck in a traffic jam and being absolutely desperate for, for a, a pee. Yeah, yeah that just um and another thing was we just said about focusing on breathing but allow enough time for your journey I cannot stand being late for anything mm. so I know that that not everyone's like that but it's for me it's a real fear I'm not yeah. sure why I have this thing about being reprimanded or letting people down yeah so if I'm driving and I need to be there and I don't think I've got enough time mm. that will set off my anxiety that will make it you're anxious worse. before you
0: start yeah
1: yeah so I always allow myself enough time mm. because if I get somewhere early um I will just sit in the car mm. And usually eat a banana, have a drink, mm. and then just kind of calm myself Chill. down. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, talking about that kind of
0: chilling, actually, it's quite nice if you've got something that you use to relax and I don't mean to fall asleep but to relax (laughs) don't do that so if you've got if there's particular music that you like to listen to or if there's a particular podcast that you like to listen to
1: like our one (laughs) (laughs) hint
0: hint (laughs) Um, then I think again it's all about the planning isn't it Mm -hmm. you know it's about okay so if you do have an early start it's about making sure okay as you said I know where I'm going I know what roads I'm using Heaven forbid if the sat nav wasn't working, I would still know where I'm going. I know where the potential stops are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And mm-hmm. I also know that I've got something that I can listen to that is going to keep me as calm as I possibly can be.
1: Yeah, or well, some music that kind of brings happy thoughts. Or something yeah, like something a, you can sing a along soundtrack to. You listen to on holiday and had a boogie to, and yeah. it makes you feel really happy. Putting that on, it can kind of just take you. Yeah, whatever. I works. found as well that. Telling you this morning, yeah, because I've not, I feel I feel a bit ashamed. Well, I have been feeling quite ashamed about mm-hmm. it, but actually, just by saying to you, I'm struggling with anxiety driving. I kind of then knew that actually, if I needed to stop and it meant I was 15 minutes late, yeah that you wouldn't be like, where have you been? Not that you'd do that anyway, <laughs> to be honest. But or like at work, I've mentioned it to my boss now and just, mm. said, just so you know, I have a little bit of an issue with the A1 in the mornings. So it mm-hmm. makes me really anxious, and you know, just just be mindful of it. And he just said. Oh yeah, I don't I don't blame you, it's a horrible road. And it mm-hmm. kind of actually made me feel better. Mm-hmm. But I now know that if I were if I did need to stop for any reason, um, that I wouldn't really have to explain too much. I could just say, Oh, I just had to stop on the way this morning, things got a bit het up.
0: And I think it's also uh, you know, we're coming back to the whole sharing and talking thing and normalising it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of for you it's good to be able to share it, which As a therapist, I'm delighted to hear. (laughs) Yay! But, I mean, that is... Essentially, if you look at it, if you look at what the whole point of talking therapy about is having somebody to talk to. You know, we can give it as many fancy names and titles as you like. I mean, it's horribly confusing because there are far too many fancy names and titles for therapy. But essentially it 's having a safe space where you can share exactly what it is you need to share, mm-hmm. you know usually it 's with a complete stranger and you and I are not doing therapy we 're just friends who are chatting, but even if it is talking to your boss and saying, you know kind of this is a problem for me i 'm just kind of sharing it with you so that you know. Or if it's with your partner, as you said, you know, kind of just telling Stephen, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, I'm really feeling really anxious about this. And I think the thing is, very often, you're right, we do feel embarrassed about this stuff, but it's just part of the human experience. And the more that we, the more that we keep it in, the less that we share it the more it goes round in that washing machine, that kind of spin dryer of the brain... You feel like you're losing your mind. ...goes round in the emotional part of the brain. The emotional part of the brain kind of heaps more emotion on it, makes it a bigger horror story than it really is. And then what, that's just kind of a downward spiral. So I suppose probably the the biggest, most important piece of advice we could give out of this is share it tell somebody don't keep it to yourself don't be ashamed of it it's just part of the human experience it's just part of what you're going through
1: yeah how many people actually when i did say oh you know it's fine and this is a bit of an issue they're like oh my goodness me too Mm. and it helps other people yeah quite a few men actually have said the same thing oh actually i really don't so it as much as I do think this has come on for me in surgical menopause because I'm just generally a lot more anxious. Yeah. I think it, it seems to be a broader thing that actually mm. there's quite a few people outside out out there that are scared of driving, like mm. anxious, and actually that's okay. Yeah, and I think also it's kind of you have to look at
0: um you know, our lives are we lead busy most of us lead busy, you know, kind of complex sometimes frantic lives there's a lot going on um and if you are feeling anxious and oh there go the dogs if you are feeling anxious and anxiety is something that you're living with anyway you know the extra pressure of driving if it's not your favorite thing to do is really not going to help so it does totally make sense but We also have to kind of then think about are there people out there who have had traumatic experiences while Mm. they're driving?
1: They might have PTSD.
0: Because if you've had a traumatic experience while you're driving, um, it's important to say that there is some very specific treatment that you can access for any kind of trauma that you've experienced when you feel that you're in a place to be able to do that. Um, So there are specific psychotherapy techniques around trauma that can be very effective but if you've had a particular trauma and that has not been addressed maybe you haven't felt that you're in the right place to address it maybe you've not felt that there's anything that can be done um again you know every time you get in the car what's going to happen is that anxiety is going to raise so it's you know kind of it is it's a really really tricky one but it's really important to know that there are there are things that people can do as well mm. as the very practical tips that you've shared on learning to breathe yeah we'll do what well, what we'll do is we'll do a little right at the end of this we'll do a little really simple breathing exercise that is not just for driving but it can be used in etc <laughs> it's, it's for everything um but it can be it can be helpful if you are struggling while you're driving um it is the one thing that you know kind of we have to do all the time we have to breathe so you may as well do it effectively um, and do it in a way that's going to help you so before we go on to that i just wanted to mention a book um, that i think is fabulous it's actually written by two of my tutors um two gentlemen called joe griffin and ivan tyrrell um and it's called how to master anxiety um it's not written for counseling and psychotherapy professionals specifically it's written for everybody so anybody who's experiencing anxiety could pick it up and they could understand in really plain common sense english what anxiety is really about um and some of the things that you can do for yourself that could help you with that anxiety. Um, I particularly like this book because it's not in teeny weeny writing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's magnified.
0: In, it's in nice big writing. And as I say, it's a very common sense approach. It's kind of... Gives you what we call the psychoeducation, so the understanding of what's actually going on, why we experience anxiety, um, from a psychological and physical perspective. But then it gives some really, really no nonsense, common sense information and advice to how you can try and get back on top of it yourself.
1: We could post a picture of it on yeah. our um, Instagram. Good plan. Yeah, that's why she's a the tech lady. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure about that. <laughs> so what we thought we'd do
0: at the end of this one is we would just go through a really simple breathing exercise that you can use at any point in your waking hours whatever it is you're feeling anxious about so the first thing to do is to and i haven't asked sophie if i can do this but I'm going to grab her now, and she can't really say no. (laughs) Um, First thing is, when we talk about anxiety, we all have a rough idea what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. but anxiety... So for everybody that I see, I have never seen two people, I've never seen two clients who experience anxiety in exactly the same way. So the manifestations... Of anxiety are different for everybody mm-hmm. so would you mind sharing what your and I'm happy to say what mine are but what are, what's the first thing that happens to you when you experience anxiety what's the first physical manifestation of anxiety like racing heart okay so like that's about to jump out of my chest that's the very first thing that happens mm-hmm. okay so what it's, it's really important to recognize your first reaction to anxiety so what is the first physical manifestation for you so really common ones are as sophie said is heart pounding so palpitation so that happens to me too um stomach churning Mm -hmm. um feeling sick is a really common one um sweating so you were saying about your sweaty palms (laughs) definitely another one um that kind of trembling feeling Inside, is my legs like, go quite wobbly. There you go. Yep. Yeah, legs go wobbly. Another really, really common one. Um, so they're all really common signs of anxiety. But yours might be different. Yours might be something to do with your voice. Your voice might change. It might go higher, etc. You might find that you've got a headache coming on. That could be your first trigger. You might find that you can't sit still. That might be another trigger. So it's really important to know what your first symptom of anxiety is because if you can recognize it you can try and take some evasive action. So as I said the breath is with us all the time. So it's very important that we use the breath well. So so I'm gonna get Sophie to do some breathing in and out. So you might get some heavy breathing on here. So so basically Sophie if you could you take a really deep breath in for me so one that we can kind of hear yeah so as sophie breathes in and of course this is brilliant on the radio or on a podcast because you can't see what's happening but as sophie breathes in her upper half of her body tenses up so her shoulders go up and you can see her whole upper body tense up so now sophie Can you take a really deep breath out? One that we can hear a kind of breath. Okay, so what's happened is that Sophie's entire upper body has relaxed and her shoulders have gone down. And that's because when you breathe in, you're using your sympathetic nervous system and you can't help but tense up. But when you breathe out, you're using your parasympathetic nervous system so you can't help but relax so essentially if we were to breathe in for a count of one and breathe out for a count of three we would be relaxing the body more than we're tensing it up if we also add into that counting so whether we're counting out loud or whether we're counting in our heads if we add counting into that we've got to be in our rational brain for us to be able to do that so it keeps us in our rational brain and it relaxes our body more than it tenses up it's also quite repetitive so it's good it's it's good for us to have something to focus on so what i'm going to ask sophie to do now and you might want to do this along with us while you're listening to this is just for 10 repetitions We're gonna breathe in for a count of one and out for a count of three. And before you do it, if you've got a favorite smell or a favorite color, so it might be your favorite perfume and purple or blue or green or whatever. If you've got a favorite smell or a favorite color, imagine that favorite smell or favorite color. As you breathe in, you're breathing it in through your nostrils and as you breathe out you're breathing it out through your mouth so it's a bit kind of puff the magic dragon (laughs) so you're in through your nostrils out through your mouth with your favorite color or favorite smell or both um the weirdest smell that anybody ever said to me was their favorite smell was the smell of motor oil (laughs) You probably you probably won't have to guess too much to know that was a guy, but anyway, um, but anyway. So what we're going to do is we're going to practice this just for ten repetitions, and then, so you can either close your eyes, and of course, at home, or I know some of you tend to listen to this in the gym, so maybe well, don't close if your eyes in the eyes. car as well. Please don't close your eyes because <laughs> you can do it with eyes open or eyes closed. But what I'm going to get you to do is I'm going to get you, we're going to, I'm going to talk you through, we're going to do the 10 repetitions, and then I'm going to ask you to tell me what it feels like when we've done it. Ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody, if you want to, if you can, if you're in a place where you can, just gently close your eyes. And then imagine that favourite scent, favourite smell, favourite colour. And we're going to breathe in for a count of one. And then we're going to breathe out for one, two, three. In for one. Out for one, two, three. In for one. Out for one, two, three. In for one. Out for one, two, three. In for one out for one two three 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 in for one out for one Two, three, in for one, out for one, two, three. And when you're ready, if you've got your eyes closed, just very gently allow your eyes to open. So, my lovely, how does that feel? Feels
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it feels... I've really spaced out there into my colour, which is cornflower blue.
0: Oh, lovely. Okay, so what's really useful about that is that, as I say, you've got your breath with you all the time. So it's really useful because it's there's nothing that you have to have. You've just... you've got it. So at any time that you feel that first twinge of anxiety... Just go to your breath. So you could be, you could be in the car. You could be in the meeting. If you're sitting at home on the sofa, obviously, relax into the sofa, close your eyes. But obviously, if you're in the car, if you're in the office, if you're busy with friends or busy with the family, you don't have to make it obvious that you're doing the deep in and out breaths. You're just breathing in for a count of one, breathing out for a count of three. Mm-hmm. So by doing that, you're immediately interacting with your rational brain, and you're also immediately relaxing for longer than you tense up. So it just gives you a really simple way to take back control. I feel very grounded. I was very aware of my feet kind of. Mm, good. So, hard. and the other thing to do is if you top and tail your day, with this so when you wake up in the morning even if you wake up to an alarm and you absolutely have to jump out of bed make the very first thing you do after you've drunk your glass of water (laughs) because we all need a nice glass of water in the morning to rehydrate the brain in for one out for three as you have your shower as you have your morning wee as you clean your teeth whatever it is you're doing as you make your morning drink maybe not caffeinated coffee <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. but as you make your mo- whatever you're doing make that your first thing if you have the luxury of laying in bed for 2 minutes then stay there I could set your alarm clock 2 minutes earlier you could mm. or you can or you can just get up but just make the breathing the first thing you do and always at the end of every single day as you lay down to go to sleep, make breathing in for one and breathing out for three the very last thing that you're doing. Because essentially it will help to bring down the background stress of the day and it will help to give you a better night's sleep. Brilliant. So I hope that's been helpful, lovely people. Um, we can certainly do more stuff on this if you would like to, if you want to let us know. Yeah, I'd um, love to hear how so, you get on with it. Um, how
1: do people get in touch? Cause I can never remember. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to reach us, you can contact us on our Instagram or you can reach us on hello menopause podcast at hotmail.com. And what's our Instagram? It is I The good, the bad, the downright sweaty. That's what it's on. Oh no, it's on as menopause podcast. Menopause isn't it? Podcast. Oh my word. I know. <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> Um and obviously
0: so if you have your um, Menopause Club. In yes. Hitchin
1: and Biggles in Wade. And so in Biggles In Wade. Hitchin, it's the last Monday of each She's month. She's taken and over the world, people. <laughs> Biggleswade is the second Monday of each month. Cool.
0: And obviously for me, uh, you can contact me either through menopausesupport.co.uk or my website, which is Diandansprink.com. So as ever, um, lovely to have you listening in if there's anything that you would like us to cover in the future do let us know we're always looking to do things that you want to know about but so lovely to see you again my darling you
1: too and take care everyone
0: yep and we'll see you next time bye